those rich people always flying off somewhere. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Vegan Vanguard. It is Mexi, and today we're talking to an absolutely amazing, prolific community organizer uh, here in the Canada area. The Canada area. <laughs> Practicing some good OPSEC here, uh, even though we do talk a lot about Toronto in the episode. Uh, so you might be able to triangulate a little bit, but um, this person's name is Noodle. They're fantastic. Uh, I know them personally. I've seen them out at demos. They are just a wealth of knowledge. And um, we talk today about security in the streets, something that we all all need to be a lot better with. Um, even if you think you're being quite good, I don't know, you could probably be a, a little bit better. And it's not paranoia. I mean, we know that they're surveilling us, um, the police the state, uh, also the fash, right? So as Noodle says several times in this episode, we keep us safe. We keep us safe. So hopefully this episode will help you all do that. I know that the Bitchy Shit Show has recently put out an episode with Pearson from Coffee with Comrades, also talking about security, which is another fantastic discussion. Um, we cover some of the same ground, and then we also kind of diverge a bit in what we talk about. So I think that these are two uh, complementary discussions that can help all of us just be more secure <laughs> in the streets and help us to keep our comrades safe, most importantly. So we cover a lot of ground, so I'm not going to dilly-dally here. I would just like to shout out and thank the new patrons for this month. Thank you so much to Halbert and to Paul Griffin, who are new patron donors. And thank you also to Jennifer Gray, who gave a very generous one-time donation via PayPal. Those are two incredible ways that you can support the show. This is a donor-funded show, and so we rely on the generous donations of our listeners. Um, so, and, you know, we see you, we appreciate you. You make the show happen, so you can do that by going to patreon.com slash veganvanguard, or you can give us that one-time tip via PayPal on our website, veganvanguardpodcast.com. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. That really does help increase our reach, keeps us on the charts, <laughs> keeps us moving up the charts. And I just absolutely love reading the reviews, so thank you to everyone who's written a review recently. So without further ado, let's dive into this very important episode with Noodle. Hi, everybody. My name is Noodle. I um, just want to say hello to anybody who's listening to this. I am an activist in the Canada area. In the Canada area. <laughs> <laughs> in the Canada area. Yeah. And I'm happy to be here with Maxi. Just uh, and we're going to talk about some security stuff and organizing and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah. Hope you're having a lovely day. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, I love that you said Canada area. That's definitely all you're going to get about this very mysterious person because we have fantastic OPSEC today. <laughs> Somewhere in the Turtle Island region is where uh, Noodle hails from. Um, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm thrilled to have you on the show to, to talk about 
operational security, digital security, how to stay safe in the streets, basically, and how to protect your comrades in the streets as well. Um, so I thought we could maybe just start with talking about what is going on in the streets right now, actually, because a lot of absolute fucking shit is, is going down. You know, what are some of the dangers that organizers are facing and how does their OPSEC factor into all of this? Yeah. And just like one thing that I'd like to add to that Mm -hmm. for sure is like OPSEC. And then there's, I guess I'd like to, um, I guess highlight a difference between uh, just a small difference, but there is a difference between OPSEC and InfoSec. So like OPSEC is, you know, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory in some ways, but InfoSec is also, you know, stressing to keep information secure about each other and that kind of stuff too. So um, Mm -hmm. maybe we can touch a little bit more on that a little bit later as we go along. But yes, let's, let's, I'm really excited to be able to talk about this because this will definitely affect a lot of us. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I actually haven't even heard the term infosec. So thank you for enlightening me. So, um, so yeah, so let's talk about it. What's, what's going on in the streets right now? And and what is really concerning you? Well, I mean, where, where do we start when we ask this question? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like similar to, um, you know, uh, hi, how are you, which we spoke about yesterday. (laughs) Um, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint you know, like stuff that like, you know, say what's happening in the streets is that I guess in the in the frame of I guess maybe we can talk about North America um, specifically or westernized world right now. Um, I guess what we're seeing all across the world is a brutal rise of fascism, like just mask off full on fascism mm-hmm. um, and everything that comes along with it. Uh, you know, as, as fascism becomes more mainstream, which is, which is ridiculous. Like, I can't even believe I'm saying those fucking words, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mainstream fascism, <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, that's, that's, yeah, it's mind blowing to me, um, yeah. is, is that, uh, along with that comes the crackdown on anybody who's actively resisting that, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean people on the front lines who are ready to you know, go do smashy smash or what have you, but that's anybody who's dissenting to it, Mm -hmm. um, is now, you know, a potential target, you know, anything to do with your online activity. We know that, you know, meme culture on the left is, is huge, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes we don't, you know, a lot of, I guess, like there's a lot of rhetoric floating around that could instantly put you in the crosshairs, regardless of whether or not you're actually serious or not. Yeah. Um, that's one one of the reasons why like I will never like anything that has to do with, you know, overt like we got to guillotine this person or something like that. Like I would never Yeah. 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 I'm not putting, I mean like putting my fingers on anything like that. <laughs> yeah, and it's always for me it's always like kind of like a balance because at the same time I love to see it. <laughs> 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 and, and you know sometimes it's nice to like be able to we live in a in a strange age where you know like uh, a lot of uh you know being able to react to somebody's um i guess content or something you know encourages them to do more of it and that kind of stuff so uh, there's also such a fine balance though because just simply you're, you're absolutely right just simply liking something can be a big deal or liking a page uh, you know, that advocates for, you know, whatever the state deems as terrorism or something could put you on a list potentially. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Like all of that stuff. Right. So it's, it's all stuff that, you know, sometimes it just feels like all too much to consider. So I guess let's, uh, 
you know, it's always good to go back down to basics and that we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so sorry to go back to the original question of what's happening in the streets. We're seeing a brutal crackdown. We're seeing police brutality all across the board. We're seeing um, our politicians, you know, not only do nothing, but actively encourage it uh, yeah. while simultaneously uh, trying to, you know, gain public favor by doing things like kneeling ops or announcing that they're going to look at policy, you mm-hmm. know, and then what that tends to happen, what tends to happen with that kind of stuff is then people just think that their job is done. Like our job is done. Oh, they're looking at it. They've acknowledged that this is happening. They've acknowledged shit like this for decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing that they've ever done is double down and piss on our heads even more. <laughs> um, Sorry for my crass language there, but... Oh, no, please. This is... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just be free, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you, a fucking cop? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... And what's been happening as a result is we're seeing, I guess, uh, you know, the media likes to, to, to use the word riots and rallies and demonstrations. But the, the idea is that what's happening in the U.S. is full-blown uprising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all across the, all across the country there. And in Canada, we are seeing, you know, similar things. We're seeing similar sentiment brewing. Um, and, and I guess like we're, we're headed towards, you know, some, some dark times with, with the state in regards to organizers, activists and demonstrations and rallies and things are just going to escalate from here. And I feel like we do have uh, currently here in Canada, we do have a brief moment of time where we can start addressing some of our, of our, I guess, kind of holes in security. I guess what I'm trying to say is that if it's, uh, if it's already happening, it's too late. Yeah. So we need to start doing it right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk a bit about uh, what's happening with, you know, all these arrests of organizers that are being made public um, in the States primarily, but also in Canada as well, just increased surveillance and, you know, people getting arrested after the fact due to them either, you know, posting a photo or, um, yeah, just, just, you know, all these kind of ridiculous reasons why people are being arrested kind of after the fact. I thought we could maybe talk a bit about that um, since I think it obviously will feed into the reasons why we want to talk about security and info security and ops opsec today absolutely um okay uh i guess so so one of the things i want to preface with is that specifically in canada uh our our land defenders and our indigenous folk have been you know targets of brutal state repression for since you know since the colonizers landed (laughs) um and uh but you know in recent years with um so the pipeline stuff I guess, recent decades, I should say, um, the state has only been doubling down. So this has already been happening in Canada, just, you know, not with the privileged white folks so as much. So there was a most recent thing uh, that came out uh, that was really eye opening and really, really mind blowing. And, and to be honest, very, very alarming. Um, like this is kind of stuff that we've been you know, reading about uh, in the U.S. and across the world. Um, and uh, to have it, uh, you know, happen right in our, I guess, in our backyard, uh, so blatantly is, is very distressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an article that North Shore, um, Counter Info put out earlier on this month, uh, and it was, uh, details of police surveillance targeting what's and solidarity organizing. 
And, you know, it's, uh, I encourage you to go seek out that article on, uh, north-shore.info. Yeah. We'll, we'll post it in the show notes. Okay, cool, cool. Okay. That's perfect. Um, so they're just going through, I guess, an operation by the cops and the state, uh, that had very, very far reaching kind of consequences <clears throat> without going into too much detail. Uh, the cops sought and obtained a 492.1 warrant to track an individual's location by attaching a tracing device to their vehicle. This warrant uh, was granted within 24 hours. That's a quick grant of a warrant, by the way. Um, this warrant would authorize the device to be in place for up to 60 days or up to a year if it pertains to a criminal organization or terrorism. So, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just going to stop there. Like, who is defining <laughs> criminal <Right. laughs> organization and who is defining terrorism? You know, yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> and the yeah. people who were targeted were anarchists and anarchists are increasingly being labeled as terrorists. Uh, and, you know, if Trump gets his way, then, yeah, that could really, really shake up the landscape. And that's a really obviously serious charge to be a domestic terrorist. It's a yeah. very serious charge. So in Canada, I guess like one thing that I would like to highlight is, is that, you know, uh, in, in, for the most part, when activists tend to get arrested, people's charges are not, they're not as serious as terrorism charges or, um, you know, uh, oh. a lot of the times it's, uh, it's a relatively light, but at the end of the day, you're still on the books and right. you are, you're demobilized essentially, um, if you want to continue organizing. But so like, it, it's very alarming that, you know, they would seek uh, a warrant, uh, for criminal organization or terrorism and have it granted so quickly, mm -hmm. uh, because that tells me that they're, they're just totally, totally up for escalating all of this stuff. Uh, you know, like land defenders are, are, are disrupting ca capital are disrupting their corrupt oil and gas industry, which, you know, mm -hmm. which is, yeah. Anyway, which hits them right where, right where it hurts. Yeah. So Google complied with the warrants issued by local police in Ontario, turning over Gmail account metadata within three days of receiving a request. Wow. I don't know about you, but when I make a request from Google, I don't get shit. Oh, <laughs> so. goodness. Goodness, no. Uh, this includes linked accounts, recovery information, account registration information, and more. So the police went straight to Google and got all the information. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the local police agent, and the next part of it says, local police agency did not even try getting info from a riseup.net address that also appeared in their notes. Now, just a little bit of a background on Rise Up. Rise Up is a little lovely, lovely place uh, where you can go to uh, use secure email and also have working pads that are, um, I guess, encrypted. So you can have multiple people working on a document oh. without the fear of Google. I will also send you that link so you can add that stuff afterwards. Great. Um, and uh, yeah. So, so yeah, they didn't even bother trying to go to rise up cause they need to be like, dude, no, <laughs> you ain't getting shit. <laughs> so. Wow. Oh, that's so great. Cause I use uh, Google docs a lot for like my scripts and things like that. I should really delete all those. Um, I use proton mail for email, but it's proton mail for email is great. Yeah. It's not as functional as, you know, it like you know, Google docs, et cetera. Yeah. Function. Oh, yeah. perfect. All yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's just a little side note. Mm -hmm. So it's good to know that the cops didn't even bother trying that cause they knew it was just not happening. Yeah. 
So um, internet service providers in Ontario log your IP address, even if they claim not to keep logs. This is 100% true. Maybe we can also touch on using VPNs and Tor later and, Mm -hmm. you know, their effectiveness and that kind of thing. Um, So and police successfully got warrants for those logs. Um, Information became available to police within two weeks of requesting it. So, I mean, you know, the broader picture is, is that, you know, within, you know, like less than two weeks of applying for these warrants, um, the cops had basically this person's entire online life. And I don't know, you know, I know that every, you know, everybody's a little bit different with their online activity, but for a lot of us, myself included, you know, our digital footprints are are huge. Like anybody who has access to all of our data can basically, you know, create an entire, like basically knows our lives, Yeah. especially pertaining to, you know, our day-to-day scheduling, our jobs, our work, our friends, our, um, you know, what we do for fun, uh, what we purchase, what we even browse, what we look at. Um, but yeah, so basically, you know, without having to spell it out, like they have everything if they have your online activity, if you're an online person. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess without reading all these points, um, individuals involved in Wet'suwet'en solidarity organizing were under round-the-clock surveillance for a period of time that covers at least late February and early March. Mobile surveillance units were made up of five to six cops who surveilled the target's residents and followed their movements. I mean, that that is some, yeah. what are they doing this for? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> if nothing other than repression and, you know. To illegally force a pipeline through sovereign indigenous territory. That's what they're doing it for. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's so, yeah. so ridiculous and alarming. And, uh, yeah, they formed lists of associates made up of those target, uh, of, of the people that the target, quote unquote, was in contact with. So... Basically, you know, you go down to go have a couple of drinks in the park with your friends. You go out for, heaven forbid, an organizing meeting, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. All the surveillance reports were combined with reports based on a thorough scraping of social media and forwarded to an intelligence division and the local hate crimes unit. Hate crimes. You fucking kidding me. (laughs) Hate crimes. God, it makes my blood boil, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) um here's another key thing that so the police were able to obtain a warrant to search an individual cell phone using references to that person's involvement in public demonstrations Mm -hmm. public peaceful demonstrations and they're trying to get a warrant to look at your phone are you kidding me right um so we don't know if police were able to access this phone in particular they tried in the past um and, uh, you know, they weren't able to do to standard Android encryption, but that was, you know, in the, in the past few years, we have no idea what kind of tech that they're allowed to use, uh, mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, they've always been able to crack this stuff had they access to equipment, but there's a lot more equipment that's available out there for law enforcement to use that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah. And not to mention, you know, like this is kind of a sidebar that uh, this whole Clearview AI facial recognition app. I don't know. Have you heard of that at all, Maxi? Uh, not clear. I mean, I've heard of facial recognition, but not this like Clearview AI. This Clearview AI is some real shit. So it was developed by a tech a tech bro uh, 
you know, they said that it was, uh, you know, not for law enforcement use, but of course the only people that use it are law enforcement. Uh Um, it was actually deemed, uh, not legal to use in Canada, but there were instances of Hamilton having used Hamilton police services having used it. Mm. So basically what Clearview AI is, it, it actually scrapes social media and the entire internet. So yeah, if you have your face on the internet, um, it'll most likely turn up matches. It's not 100% accurate, but when has that ever stopped the fucking cops? Okay. So I'm just I'm just realizing how <laughs> completely terrible my offsec is and how I don't I don't know if I can make it better at this point. <laughs> A lot of us, we don't know if we like even, you know, even for myself, you know, I I haven't been, you know, this quote unquote paranoid (laughs) all my life. Uh (laughs) I mean, like I say paranoid with quote unquote, because, you know, there's (laughs) justified paranoia. We have every single reason to be paranoid. Uh Um, And, um, and I guess, yeah, like, you know, I don't, I don't mean to say this, like scare people into like, you know, wanting to scrub their entire existence from the internet. It's just that moving forward, we need to be really cognizant of, uh, or we should try to be more cognizant of our online activity with the info that we share. Um, and frankly, the info that we're sharing is sharing to capitalist fucking pigs in the first place. Uh-huh. So, you know, like there's a, like a, a segue to, um, you know, talking about all the kind of like new kind of sites that are being, you know, um, I guess built all the time that are trying to, you know, keep it away from the capitalist pigs. Like, you know, a lot of people are moving from Facebook to like platforms like Mastodon, Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly where it's like, you know, we own the information, you know, kind of deal anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a little bit of a sidebar, but yeah, so I don't mean to scare anybody and I don't mean to scare you, Maxie, like my face is on the internet. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, I was thinking because, you know, it, with my actual job, job, job in real life, I also have pictures of myself on the internet. And so going by Mexi and having my face, like I'm, I'm as a public speaker, public figure on the internet, then like, obviously this AI already knows my real name because it can just match Mexi to the other pictures of me that are on the internet from my job. So like, I'm kind of (laughs) sunk. Yeah. And a lot of us are, which is why this is so dangerous. Right. Because like, you know, um, we don't know the scope of their reach right now in Canada. We don't know, like, it's hard to know exactly what they're looking for. It's hard to know exactly whom they're looking for. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I guess the goal is not to make it easier for them. And I right. think that's the takeaway that I want to get, uh, that I, I really want to stress. Like it's, it's not feasible for a lot, especially in times during this pandemic where uh, for a lot of us, our only social contact is through online with our friends, you know, sharing photos, this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like we, we need, we need some sort of sense of community if we don't have that, um, available to us. And there's a lot of people who live in rural areas, uh, that, you know, that don't really fit into that area because they're either, uh, they're part of the LGBTQ. Um, to us community and you know so their only interactions are through online but they're they want to get involved in activism so it's not feasible for mm-hmm. for people to seize online activity i guess what i'm what i really really want to stress that it is possible to kind of make it uh to not make it as easy for them mm-hmm. is 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 the main takeaway yeah but yeah so uh i guess maybe i'll just summarize my long-winded points about this particular um Wet'suwet'en and Land Defender article is is that uh, the cops are watching. If the cops want you, they will get shit done. 
So let's not make ourselves targets. And that the cops are spending a lot of money on breaking encryption and will go to great lengths, whether it's legal or not. We know the cops don't follow the law. We know the state, the, the law doesn't apply to the cops or the state ever. For sure. Yeah. So did you want to touch on just uh, a, a few of the arrests that are happening in the U.S. that are kind of high profile right now? Like people are being charged with felonies um, for organizing BLM protests? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's kind of go along there. I mean, you know, if anybody's been following the news, America's kind of blown up. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's uh, talk about, um, I'm just going to mention, I hope I'm pronouncing their name correctly, Tiana Arata mm-hmm. uh, is a uh, Black Lives Matter organizer, and um, she could be looking at 15 years in prison just for organizing a protest. Yeah, she's 20 years old. She's 20 years old. And for me, I, I can read those, read that headline, read that like kind of blurb and like say it out loud. And it doesn't really connect with me. Like that's how mind blowing this is yeah. just for taking part in a protest. If you're looking at 15, there's no violence or whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, there was no, there was no criminal, I guess, violence that was happening. There was no like blowing up of a state. There was no hurting of a police officer or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, they're trying to say that, I mean, like a car, and this is something else that maybe we could mention is is happening with a lot of these protests, is that cars are just blowing through protesters. I I actually had um, friends here in Toronto talk about cars uh, running through their their protests. They took an intersection and a car drove through. Um, So people are just incredibly emboldened. So that happened at this protest. And then I guess people were kind of throwing rocks at the car and uh, the back window broke. And so they were like, that's the violence, right? Yeah, that's their excuse that they use for anything. I mean, like, yeah. you know, you know, like, so, I mean, we can, there's, there's so many instances. I mean, the cops shape the narrative. They always do. As soon as their, their initial statement reaches the press, like that's basically taken as fact. Like, mm-hmm. so for example, like let's, let's use the, the case that happened uh, over the weekend in Toronto up at the um, little Jamaica protest up at Eglinton and Oakwood area where, mm-hmm. um, where the cops, were doing engaged in some actual serious brutal repression of people uh they were kneeling on um on a black man's neck and Ugh. then they uh it was it was brutal after they had <clears throat> committed their own violence the cops as usual and now the 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 main headline on sunday was that seven police officers were injured and for wow were hospitalized like are you kidding me mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm sorry if uh, yeah like so 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 that's something to consider too so that now shapes the narrative so anybody that is linked to that protest is now automatically uh going to be judged already in in the mass circles regardless of what actually happened people are now going to say well of course like you know like we need to crack down because seven police officers were injured right. um you know, it's to be noted that the police officer that said he was like super injured was also seen uh, walking around and right. still doing whatever his job was and carrying another arrestee to the patrol car. Um, so, I mean, we know that cops lie, mm-hmm. but the problem is that the public doesn't realize that the cops lie. <laughs> yeah. So that shapes the entire narrative, which can then bring about way heavier charges because they're already tried in the media. 
Right. Uh, yeah. So that's like another thing. So yeah, you brought a really good point of, you know, cars going, driving into protests and people defending themselves and now being charged with violence. Right. Yeah. So, um, and assault and that kind of thing, which is complete bullshit. And we know how it works. The problem is, is that other people don't know how it works, which is enraging. So, yeah. so yeah, um, I really hope, uh, Tiana Arada beats these charges. Because uh, it's bullshit. We all know it's bullshit, and it's a terrifying, mm-hmm. terrifying precedent. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other you wanted to mention before we kind of dive into how to how to fight back? <laughs> I would like to acknowledge, um, I guess, what happened with uh, Derek Ingram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Derek Ingram is an activist in New York City. So basically, what ended up happening um, was is that after a protest uh, around 7 a.m. on a Friday morning this month. Uh, or sorry, back in August, Ingram was greeted by the sound of NYPD officer banging on the door of his Hell's Kitchen apartment as dogs barked alongside them. A police helicopter whirred overhead and drones flew near his window. Downstairs, dozens of officers waited in riot gear. Dozens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can <laughs> picture the scope of that, but yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even imagine having a helicopter like worrying outside, dozens of officers waiting. Yeah, that that is, and they're you know, and like let's not you know, I mean, we could go into the use of police dogs and how yeah. they've been used to terrorize black black people in America for you know for hundreds of years. It is absolutely yeah yeah. Anyway, and this is a vegan show, so fuck the police using dogs that fuck way. Fuck the police <laughs> using dogs like that is fuck that. holy shit. Fuck yeah. that. Um, so, um, Derek Ingram, uh, is part of a, uh, organization called Warriors in the Garden. So Derek immediately got in touch with, uh, his comrades in, uh, Warriors in the Garden. He decided to go live on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he, he says, quote, I wanted to show the world exactly how we got treated. And, uh, Ingram asked the cops for a warrant. An officer slipped him a business card instead and identified him as an officer of the Manhattan Warrant Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, this is the same agency which made headlines for arresting an 18-year-old protester named Nikki Stone in Manhattan last month, throwing her in an unmarked van in New York City. So anyway, so that's not a warrant. That's a fucking no. business card. Yeah. <laughs> so um, out on the street, a crowd began to form, chanting, this is what democracy looks like. I mean, dozens of riot cops. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's democracy, to be honest. Um, so the police hung around for, you know, uh, a few hours and they went away. The only reason they went away is because, A, they didn't have a warrant, but that didn't stop them from trying and spending, I don't know, how many tens and thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars that that action from them even costed them in terms of deploying. Mm-hmm. Like when you roll out an entire squad like that, it costs the people money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of money. And a helicopter. And a fucking helicopter. Like, like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to, uh, I guess, minimize what happened with Derek Ingram, but the, the long and short of it is that the police do not follow the law. They will do anything they can to get who they want and mm-hmm. they will frame it in any way, shape or form. I don't know about you, but like the last time, you know, like just just for organizing a protest or being part of a protest will does not warrant riot police showing up at your door with dogs. Yeah. Well, the charge that they they were getting him on was quote unquote assault because he yelled at a policewoman using his megaphone. That is why they substantial pain and temporary hearing loss. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So <laughs> he yelled at her using a microphone or the megaphone. And so they had to like send the entire squad out there, helicopter overhead, can't let this person get away. He yelled at a woman with a megaphone. Absolutely. This is ridiculous. And then like, let's also frame this another way. So the cops routinely use what's called an LRAD, which is like a huge sound thing, Majiggy, that will fuck your ears up. Oh, no yeah. questions. And, you know, there are not to mention like what tear gas, <laughs> like, flashbangs, um, yeah. you know, like all that. Shit. So, you know, the cops will often, you know, this is what's so ironic to me. The cops will throw charges on people for the same things that they do, but like, tenfold to the mm-hmm. nth degree <laughs> yeah. like you know so um but yeah so thank you for bringing that up and i didn't mention that but uh yeah no yeah. that is so so relevant right uh, this is a bullshit trumped up charge and it is a bullshit response and i guess also another takeaway from this is is that you know when the community saw what was happening um uh, and when derek went live you know more of the community saw what was happening and immediately they mobilized Mm-hmm. The only reason Derek wasn't, in my opinion, sorry, I shouldn't say that is, in my opinion, the only reason why they did not kick down that, that down that door under some, you know, fucking false pretense of danger to the community or something, meaning that they had to go in, regardless of warrant, uh, is because the community had mobilized. Yeah. And that's a huge takeaway from this is, is that, you know, uh, all the security stuff, strong communities are our best defense against the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like, I also want to mention that security culture and community building definitely do go hand in hand. It can yeah. kind of like, uh, establish more bonds of trust between community members and also, uh, at the same time, empower each other, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the only re- in my opinion, the only reason that, uh, Derek wasn't brutally assaulted and taken in was the fact that the community mobilized and said, we're not standing for this shit. This is bullshit. Show mm-hmm. us a warrant and fuck your warrant. Even if yeah. that's the case, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Who do you protect? Who do you serve? Right? Like the community is, is not here for this. So yeah, great. I mean, I think that was a great kind of encapsulation of what's going on. Some of the dangers people are faced with. Um, uh, I, I've heard of other people being charged. Uh, actually, you sent me an article about this, that um, someone was charged because uh, they were just posting photos like they used aerial surveillance uh, and then they posted photos of themselves like wearing the shirt and having this certain tattoo and then they were charged after the fact so there's a lot a lot to think about um can i just talk about that case real briefly i'll try to be as as brief as possible for sure Okay. Okay. I'm so sorry to cut you off on there because I do think that this is a really relevant one because it's very specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we had an activist uh, that, you know, as Mexi mentioned, um, they got her because of a photo that was posted at the protest of, of her shirt. So she actually had bought the shirt on Etsy. So, you know, as we know, Etsy is for creators and, you know, you know, amongst others, but there's a lot of custom work on, on Etsy. So, um, cops, like, it's so, it's so ridiculous. Cops had mobilized enough to get off their fucking asses to track down this shirt, specific shirt on Etsy and to look through all the reviews and had happened to see a review from somebody who had bought this shirt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And from there they got that information 
And then I, I also want to stress that the Etsy creator did not provide that information. It was it was just there on a review. So they, right. they clicked on it and they put two together. So I don't want to, you know, throw the Etsy creator under the bus or anything like that was nothing to do with them. They just made a cool mm-hmm. shirt and this person had bought it. And the cops had been able to track that and also matched it with another, you know, once they had uh, their target narrowed, they were able to match tattoos that were visible uh, on her arm during this protest and put two and two together. And they've now charged her for allegedly burning down two Philadelphia police cars on May 30th, Yeah, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's also terrifying. It's also a reminder, you know, I guess we'll, we'll talk into best practices for attending a protest uh, in a little bit too, but um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess moving into, uh, you know, what we can do in terms of uh, security, I've broken this down into, um, you know, what protesters can do versus what organizers can do, because I feel like there is a difference between, you know, showing up to a protest that someone else has organized and what you need to think about security wise versus if you are the actual organizer of that protest. Um, So why don't we start with protesters and just go through, you know, what are some of the basics in terms of security that people um, should be aware of and should be doing if they plan on attending demonstrations that are organized by others? Okay, so let's start with when I talk about security culture, I guess like it can kind of like go like a lot of people can sometimes disregard it because one of the main things that a lot of people can say, especially if they're very fired up and very angry, which we should all be is, is that I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, they'll show up to a protest, you know, pre pandemic without a mask. Um, yeah. you know, they'll have their tattoos showing and all that kind of stuff. And their reasoning is, is that I'm not afraid they can come for me. Okay. That's fine six foot tall white straight bro dude you know Uh um but the idea is is that um good security doesn't just protect yourself it protects your entire network and your circles and the people around you like we're gonna go back to like you know what the state does when they scrape all of our data so if they have your face and name they now have all of your associates and that guy so it's not just about protecting yourself it's about protecting your community and basically done properly Good security, I know I mentioned this before, will help us feel confident and actually build this community better. So I don't know uh, if you've, if any of you listening have ever attended a protest, but I, I, I feel empowered when I am in a crowd anonymously with all of my comrades all there for the same, for the same reason. And it's empowering. It's also empowering to know that we're using good security practices because we outnumber them. Um, and at the end of the day, we keep each other safe. So that's something to keep in mind when we talk about security is that we're not just talking about keeping ourselves safe, you know, the chance of we keep us safe, we keep us safe, we keep us safe. That needs mm-hmm. to go across the board and everything that we do, not just at a demo, but just in our day to day lives when we're doing organizing, when we're even, you know, just partaking in any sort of political activism, uh, is that we keep each other safe. So a lot of these things are for everybody's protection um it's group safety and also we would also i I would also like to acknowledge that there is a there's a big difference between a block of uh i guess mostly white people at a rally Mm -hmm. uh because you know uh marginalized and oppressed bipoc people have always stood out in a crowd in canada specifically in the larger cities because the majority of people attending these, uh, you know, 
I'm, it's 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 much easier for them to to pick minorities out. So another another thing to really consider, like if you are a minority, which which I I personally am, um, I'm not white in any way, shape, or form. Um, it is. It, I know that it's a little bit tricky here, uh, and I do, you know, I, I do acknowledge that not everybody feels like me. But uh, one of the things that I like to do is basically blend in so that I seem white <laughs> as much as possible. And it's not as easy with without a face covering, obviously. So, you know, this is where things like the black block comes into play, um, where black block tactic, I should say, so that people don't get the wrong idea. I think that's an organization. It's not <laughs> black block is a tactic where you cover yourself and head to toe, including your face. Um, so, um, you know, all your tattoos are covered. So there's no identifying features. So for example, if we're at a protest and there are, you know, 100 white people there and there are, you know, let's just say seven or eight minorities, you know, that the, that the cops are able to see, um, instantly those seven or eight minorities are easier targets for them to, um, I guess kind of focus in on. So one of my suggestions is to blend in as much as possible. So if, if, the demographic of the protest is going to be primarily um, white folks or white passing folks. It's not a bad idea to try to blend in. Um, yeah. And we also know that cops treat white folks differently. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> as in the yeah. kid gloves for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that, yeah, like, you know, good security is for the community. That's really made me kind of like rethink my approach because I, you know, as like a white woman who, I mean, I look like just like a suburban, like, you know, like I, I try to play it up like, oh, I'm just like a bougie, I'm a bougie white woman from like the suburbs. Like I'll wear like my Burberry glasses, like with no mask and everything like to the protest. I've seen you out there. I've seen you Oh out yeah. There. Yeah. I'm like my hair's done. Like I'm looking good. I'm like standing right at the front, like in front of the cops. And the, like, if they're like manhandling me, I'm just like, sir, ex- excuse me, sir. Like well, I'm here for an anti-racist protest. Like, what are you, what are you doing, sir? I'm like filming them, you know? So I try to like play that up and be like because I want I want people to see that like you know like just like the average person like the like my mom or like whatever like people who would be looking at the media pieces later like I want them to see that like oh there's just like some you know some average fucking white woman there and she's being manhandled by the cops like I want that to be what they see um because I know when they see people all in like black block they're like oh these people are criminals you know what I mean yes um so I kind of like to play that role but now I'm kind of like oh but that's not great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's like, a, that's a pretty big discussion. But I, I do yeah. think that, you know, as a, as a tactic, it kind of works. I mean, but well, so can, can we do a segue on the mom block in, uh, in the US? So during, um, I guess, the Black Lives Matter protest, uh, I think this was uh, early on in August as well. So there was a group of white suburban moms specifically kind of using the same tactic that you were talking about. Let's, yes. let's, let's go to the front lines. Let's all wear yellow shirts and mm-hmm. let's stand in solidarity with all the protests. And, uh, so they made headlines in the U.S. and in Canada for a few days because, you know, they were out there uh, outside the justice center there and, uh, they got tear gassed. Uh, so, you know, like the images of a bunch of white suburban moms and city moms just arm in arm getting uh, tear gassed and flashbanged, uh, you know, it's big yeah. news. Yeah. But the issue with that is later on, uh, I, you know what, I'm not going to 
because I didn't read too much into it because I kind of just rolled my eyes and I'm like, of course this happened. But I was reading an article like somewhat after that. And, and okay, sorry, I don't want to take away from what the mom block, you know, did and accomplished. They got eyes on to what was happening there because they were white <laughs> and privileged. Yeah. Uh, and also some of them were seriously injured. Uh, one got like, um, a non-lethal munition to the fucking face. And wow. those pictures were, um, were pretty brutal. But again, there's images circulated of, of black and indigenous people uh, yeah. all over and nobody fucking cares. Yeah. But all of a sudden people care when it's a white mom, right? Yeah. They want to hear their story, <laughs> their yeah. story of never having face the fucking day of repression in their life. Anyway, sorry, I, I digress. I know I'm ranting, but <laughs> um, the segue on the mom block is, is that, they um they're not in the headlines anymore because they're not there anymore yeah <laughs> they're not doing it anymore right so i mean like you know there's <laughs> sure make the headlines but also you know keep it up if you're going to do this oh, because sure. you know are, are you just trying to get clout or are you trying to get moved like you know are you trying to get all that shit so mm -hmm. and at the end of the day the cops didn't fucking care that they were there yeah. They just went hog wild anyway. So, um, I mean, I guess maybe that tactic is not working as much in the U.S. anymore because the cops have taken their gloves off and their mask off. They don't fucking care. But oh, in yeah. Canada, I think it's very effective. But I mean, I, I also like like part of me is just like I don't even I'm not doing it because I think maybe the cops will stop or whatever. It's like I it's just that like it'll look worse for them if they like fuck me up, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And they're very cognizant of that. They yeah. don't, you know, I mean, if we, you know, we look at just even in Toronto this past weekend where we had the uh, two demos uh, and the one from Christie Pitts, the police headquarters, where there was a lot, a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. white folk in the crowd, which is great. Thank you. Thank you for coming out and, and doing that and showing up. Um, but then we look at the, a simultaneous action up in little Jamaica up, you know, Mm -hmm. not made up primarily of white people and the police response with like 80 officers and extreme brutality yeah. was completely different to yeah. their response downtown. Absolutely. You know, that like, I mean, we, we had what, like a thousand people downtown and not a peep from the police because they knew it was going to be peaceful or whatever the hell they want to say. Uh, because you know, um, and you know, up, up on Eglinton, we had, uh, there's like way less numbers and, <laughs> you know, look at their response. Uh, their responses are entirely, entirely different to privileged folk uh, versus, and I'm not saying everybody downtown was privileged at all. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there was a lot of white people there that don't want to see, uh, yeah. you know, they don't want to be seen. Um, anyway, exactly. so that's a little bit of a segue. Um, uh, sorry, I know I went off on, uh, on protest tips. Uh, and okay. So another thing to do, uh, is to really, really be cognizant of what you take photos of and whom you take photos of at the rally. Uh, you never know, like this could be your first rally. You could be like really excited to be there and you'll take a photo of everything that's going on, but you have 14 different people's faces in that photo in the background. <laughs> yes. And that gets posted online and all of a sudden those 14 people are now known if the cops are looking at that photo, which, you know, let's face it, they, they, they look at all the report facts and all the after action reports from different organizations and stuff looking yes. specifically for this kind of stuff. Right. So be yes. very cognizant of, of how you're taking photos. Um, ask permission to the folks around you uh, if they happen to be in a photo or maybe just get them to like turn their back a little bit. Um, explain what will be in the shot if you need to. 
And if you do happen to have faces, which you probably will if you're taking photos, before you post them, take the time to not just put a sticker over their faces, but to blur the faces too. Because, um, you know, if you're going to post the online, blur any visible faces of protesters, fuck the cops, put their faces all over the internet, take Uh photos of their badges, take photos of their units, uh, make note of all that stuff. But as far as protesters go, um, you know, blur their faces. And, you know, if you're counter protesting right wing nonsense, fucking put their faces all over the internet. They're proud to do it. You know, one of their common things is take your mask off, you know? (laughs) So, you know what, if they want to play that game, let them play their game. We keep each, we keep each other safe. They don't Mm -hmm. fucking care about keeping each other safe. So let them fucking play that game. I heard that uh, if you blur the faces, then um, there is possibly still some way that the cops could like unblur it. But if you pixelate it, then there's no way. Pixelating is good. Uh, Blurring. So, so one of the things that cops can easily do, if you just use a Snapchat sticker to put over somebody's face or whatever, or what have you, like whatever Mm -hmm. thing that can easily be removed. Um, So uh, here's another extra layer of security with the blurring thing. It's not as easy to unblur depending on your tool, right? If you're using a phone app, it might not be the most effective. Um, But uh, I mean, an extra layer is if you blur the faces, it, a, it'll make it hard for them to unblur it. Um, they, they can easily take layers off. But once you blur it, save it to your whatever um, thing, take screenshot of it. Now there's no mm-hmm. layers at all that they can fuck with. So yeah. take a screenshot of it, and then uh, you would kind of post that at, at that point. And then you can also wipe all your metadata. There's this um, app uh, for phones called View Exif. So it's mm-hmm. View E-X-I-F that even from your phone, you can just wipe all of the metadata before you post it. So as in location, uh, file name, et cetera, et cetera, so that they have no idea where that photo was taken and, um, you know, what device it was taken on and that kind of thing. Uh, So these are just little extra layers. I know it's a lot of work. Some people just, man, fuck, I just want to post a photo from today. Yes, great, please do, but please keep in mind the safety of other people around you. And yeah. that one innocent photo can turn into, you know, mass arrests later on down the road. Mm-hmm. So just be very cognizant of what you post on the internet in regards to actions. Um, that's not that's- to say don't take photos. We want photos. Just be cognizant. Yeah, that's fantastic about the view exif. That yeah, that's pretty important. Um, yeah. It's just to wipe your data because even – you know, like I, I, I've slipped up a few times and I've had comrades that should be like, bro, you know, so it's not yeah. obvious when you click on the photo, but if anybody is looking, they just have to look at, look at the data on it. And it's yeah. just like, that was from your phone and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, I guess one of the, uh, another, um, I guess like safety tip is uh for you know beyond like covering all your you know recognizable features whether it's tattoos or um and also it comes down to even clothing too so um you know the idea the the black block tactic is that everybody wears black um and so it makes it much harder for them to you know differentiate people uh from what you know you know if you want to show a better protest you know in your in your outfit of the day or whatever it also can make you a lot easier of a target go back to the whole etsy thing you wear your cool etsy shirt um you wear your cool custom shirt uh locally made custom shirt and it's much easier for them to to crack Mm -hmm. down on stuff so also be cognizant of what you wear to your protest 
protest. I also know it's empowering to look and feel good when you go to a protest. So, you know, that's a topic that you, you know, you can kind of like weigh out yourself. Mm -hmm. Like also, I don't know if we're getting into this part of it yet, but like, um, if at all possible, don't go to these things alone, have a buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know it's not always, and, and so when I say have a buddy, I mean like have a buddy to meet up with or a, or buddies to meet up with prior to the event and travel together to these things and to leave together and also to keep an eye on each other throughout the entire event. So for example, if you show up with one buddy, don't split yourself off from that buddy or at least keep tabs on each other, stay in communication with each other, uh, preferably without phones. But anyway, whatever, uh, we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, it's not always possible for people who want to show up to have a buddy because this could be their first time. They don't know anybody, but they want to get involved. I would definitely encourage you to either post on that organization's page or even message the organizers, which would be better. Message mm-hmm. the organizers for the event if you've seen the event online and say, because that way you don't have your name publicly on the post or whatever. Say that you're looking for a buddy. Maybe tell them a little bit about your situation. Uh, without giving away too much personal information and say, can you help match me with a buddy? And I'm sure that, you know, so again, we're about community. We're not about individuals. We want people to come out. We want people to feel empowered. We want people to feel safe. So, and there's always safety in numbers uh, uh, and that kind of thing. So definitely, definitely, if you want to come out to a protest for the first time or the second time or the third time, or you've been going to them for a long time solo, I encourage you to find a buddy and, or, if you do happen to show up alone, make some buddies at the at the protest if possible. And also, this is a note to organizers. Organizers, please try to facilitate the buddy making at the protest. Maybe mention something on your event. If you don't have a buddy, approach us at the demo and we will find people for you to buddy up with today and for the next foreseeable future or whatever. So that's also a note to organizers to make sure that their community feels safe and protected that way too. I don't want to put the onus on the one person who's maybe a little bit shy or not, um, you know, very comfortable approaching people for organizers should be able to facilitate that on your behalf as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's another thing. Um, I guess like for individual tips, maybe we can link uh, a, a couple of different guides at the bottom too, uh, so mm-hmm. that you can just kind of read through them as opposed to having to listen to me list them off. But mm-hmm. yeah, a good start is not making yourself stand out. And that's like the baseline that you should go, go to. So, yeah. Right. Okay, perfect. So yeah, those are kind of, yeah, some of the basics of what you can do individually. Um, I wanted to ask what are some other steps maybe that they could take in their daily lives to make these actions more worthwhile um because i know that you mentioned that sometimes people will go to the events and they'll do the basic security measures like they'll cover their tattoos or whatever but then otherwise you know they'll go home to their daily lives and the way that they're conducting themselves there um actually makes the actions that they took at that demonstration less effective yeah Cloud chasing. (laughs) 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 I want to talk about cloud chasing a little bit. (laughs) Um, Again, though, this is a little bit of a of a fine line because we want people to be engaged. We want people to feel empowered. We want people to feel good about having attended a demonstration. Like, especially you know, if you're newer to to this kind of thing. But the so I guess like. One of the key tenets of, of, of security is loose lips sink ships. I know it's cliche, <laughs> but like, let's just say you were at a demo that got spicy. Let's just say there was, 
the sacred quote unquote property damage. Oh my Ooh. God. Not a window. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a garbage can tipped over. Oh my God. Goodness me. Um, Let's just say you were at a demo at something like that and something like that might have happened or the cops say something like that happened um, and you out yourself by bragging to not bragging, but, you know, just openly saying that you were there, you were part of it in your day to day lives with your family members and all that shit. Just try not to do that. (laughs) Just just like. Um, you know, find your community that you can talk about. I do think that it is important for us to kind of gas each other self uh, up, but keep that in your very, very trusted community and circles. And just try not to talk about any sort of individual actions or anything like that. Um, and just because all that stuff can be used against you, like even if it's just a joke or if it's just like kind of like a, a very uh, thinly vague thing, just remember that anything that you say might can will be taken out of context mm-hmm. if you are ever charged by something like even one very benign like one liner being like um i don't know they're like did you see the way that fucking brick flew bro you know mm-hmm. that kind of stuff like that can be used in court like i guess like in what you would call snitches notes or whatever and that's gonna that's gonna incriminate you mm-hmm. uh so just be very so in your day-to-day lives just keep in mind that you know, everything that you say can endanger people. So try not to be so open about your actions at a protest and never use names and never talk about what anybody else has done. If you want to out yourself, which a lot of people do, just keep in mind that anything that you say can be used against your friends and your Uh associates and your comrades. Uh, So try not to be so open about stuff. Uh, if you're attending something, sure. If if people know that you were there, just don't, don't kind of single out any sort of actions from anybody. Uh (laughs) Um, yeah, I went on a little bit of a segue there. I'm sorry. Oh no, that, yeah, that was clear. Um, do you have anything else that you would say that people do in their daily lives that might, you know, threaten their security? Um, just to be aware of what you have online and who you are connected to online. So, uh, oh, I do want to touch on something else too. It is not a bad idea for everybody who's interested in politics or activism and concerned about security or the digital footprint or to, to, to not make it as easy to have more than one social media account name. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for example, it's what you would call a sock account or something like that. Just something that doesn't have your, 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 you know, your face (laughs) and the profile photo, uh, doesn't have your real name, uh, preferably no other information about, you know, location, et cetera. It's a, and it's pretty easy to set up. Like, I mean, you can just, um, uh, like Mexi mentioned, you can just go to Proton Mail, get yourself a secure email address that you can use. You know, obviously that doesn't have your your name in it. <laughs> um, to register for you know a new Facebook account, a new Instagram account, new Twitter, any of that stuff, just no identifying features. It's a good idea to use those to you know, um, if at all possible. I know people don't like switching, say you know whatever, but you know, just try to get into a habit of it to, you know, keep tabs on protests and act and, and actions and, you know, click attending if that's what you're going to do. Um, yeah, I think I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just everybody needs a sock account. It's, uh, it doesn't cost anything. And, you know, then at that point you're able to be a lot more anonymous, like you're not making it easy for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, 
no, I definitely, I definitely need to do that. Given this, this AI facial recognition and how uh, vulnerable I realize that I already am, I'm 100% going to be making a, making another account. And that's where I'll do all my, like, I'll keep tabs on different organizations and like different events and stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's real important. I mean, like they can, and, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> your real name is out there with your faces. You're not making it harder for them at all. Uh, yeah. but if your name is like, you know, whatever it is, John Smith or like Betty Boop, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's gonna be like, fuck, there's a lot of John Smith, huh? Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, just, just blend in again. The always idea is that you don't want to stand out. You know, so a lot of people with pride and ego will often say that they're not scared and they will definitely rush to the front and stand out and then endanger everybody else around them because of their ego and machismo and machismo within activism uh, is something that definitely needs to be addressed too, by the way. <laughs> so. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe we can do a whole other podcast about that. Oh my gosh. Can we do a whole podcast about yes. like the unseen labor that actually powers every single movement and traditionally yeah. who that fucking burden falls to mm-hmm. while all of the fucking bros, you know, yeah, let's rush to the front and go punch yeah. somebody, you know? Yeah, and like, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, often falls to, you know, who we don't even yeah. have to like fucking say it. Like, and everything as simple as, you know, like organizing meets and uh, scheduling times and bringing supplies always falls to, you yeah. know, not the dude bros. <laughs> non men. Yeah. <laughs> the non men, all the dude bros who are so willing to go punch a cop in the face and call it a day. You yes. know, it's uh anyway, yeah. so that's a whole other whole other thing. Right? Oh yeah. And then not to mention like the abuse that they can also ring upon like non men in organizing spaces. But yeah. Absolutely. But that, that's way too much to dig into. But, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we talk about our own internal security. Anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, no, that's great. These are all great tips. Um, so my last question for the protester section is if you are a person with privilege, in what ways could you potentially use that privilege to make your comrades with less pri- privilege more safe and secure? Um, I guess this is kind of a touchy one, uh, or can be a touchy one, but like, you know, the whole idea, I think we talked about it a little bit before is just, you know, like privileged white folks, uh, you know, historically and with a lot of precedent, do not get brutally as repressed as any sort of minority, uh, specifically black people mm-hmm. and indigenous people um, uh, are, you know, often targets of, of a lot of brutality. So as white folk, um, I think one of the uh, I guess one of the most the main things is to be cognizant of this mm-hmm. uh, in all of your actions, in your day to day life. Uh, and the things that you talk about, but specifically at protests, like one of the things is that you should also think about what you are prepared and not, not prepared to do if, if something go, if, if, if stuff gets rowdy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there are a lot of folks who, uh, are very eager to, um, you know, physically stand as barriers, uh, against the police and the crowd. And, but not everybody is able to do that. Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you are able-bodied and are willing to do so, do not hesitate as a white person to be a barrier between the police and, and the crowd and marginalized and oppressed people. Mm -hmm. Um, like, because the police will keep their kid gloves on for as long as possible. Uh, and that would be a, a big help. Um, yeah for people, uh, yeah, 
Yeah. So, and also just to um, be very, I, I guess this isn't really security, but this is more best practices. Try not to censor yourselves. Uh, just don't censor yourselves, especially if you're at a Black Lives Matter rally. Don't censor your whiteness. Don't censor your thoughts and views. Um, follow the lead of your organizers, if at all possible. You know, we're not. I'm not saying like follow your leaders, but you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like fuck your hierarchy. But you know what I mean. Like, so there's people who have spent time in organizing this and trying to keep the community safe. So let's try to follow their lead uh, because mm-hmm. they have our best interests in mind. Presumably, if we are attending a demo, so. What, can you just expand, like, what, I'm sorry, what do you mean by don't, do you just say center or censor your whiteness? Center, cent- oh, center, 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 okay. yeah, center your whiteness. <laughs> don't center your whiteness. Okay. I was like, don't censor your whiteness. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, 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 center, center. I have a little bit of a lisp, so. No, I just heard that as censor, and I was just like, I was oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Hold no, on. totally. I can totally see that for sure. Um, okay. And um, and yeah, so like censoring your whiteness is a very like large topic at large, but at the end of the day, you know, don't drown out black voices, don't drown out indigenous voices that are yes. trying to direct what's happening on that day if they're you know. Con- um, you know, especially if they're, they're the ones that have organized this protest and you're there on their behalf. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's Absolutely. not a blanket statement, but there's too much nuance for me to get into there. But yeah. Okay. So uh, moving into, I guess, the organizers, unless you had anything else to say about. Uh, I do have one more thing that I didn't touch on. Okay. Uh, it's about your cell phone. Um, because I guess this ties into, I guess, a later subject that we're going to talk about police technology. Your cell phone is, is, is the gateway into some real shit hell. (laughs) So, I mean, it has everything, uh, you know, location tracking, uh, social mapping is what we call it as in, you know, like, so if the cops, so the cops routinely use, um, stingers, which basically, uh, you know, see all the cell phones that are active in one area and they'll light it up, you know, at a demo and they'll see there's like all of these cell phones all in one cluster area. So they know that's there. They know that like, you're there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then they will also map who goes where after the fact. So mm-hmm. if at all possible, leave your phone at home. If, if at all possible, I know it's not feasible for, for a lot of people to do so because we live on our phones, but that's also the problem. So mm-hmm. at the very least, at the very, very least, if you have one of those rare phones that has a removable battery, when you're at the demo or close to it, just not at the demo. When you're walking up or close to it, you know, within a kilometer, half kilometer, or what have you, just remove the battery or put it on airplane mode. Um, that'll at least, like, you know, mitigate the the I guess the information that they have on you that they can use to incriminate you. Because like, if your phone isn't on anywhere near the demo. Uh, and it's not switched back on um, anywhere near the site after the demo, they can't prove that you were there. They cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's mm-hmm. another thing. So just be really cognizant of, of your phones, and they, they, they can track all of that shit through our phones. I mean, we can get into, for organizers, I guess it's a little bit more important to start using burner phones, if at all possible. 7-Eleven has... I'm not plugging 7-Eleven. I'm just saying you can readily available, uh, readily get data plans that last for quite a while for, you know, a relatively low amount of money, like $40 that you can get yourself set up on a data plan and, uh, you know, nothing attached to your name. Um, and you only use those at demos. 
So you don't turn them on at home or anything like that. Uh, so, right. Yeah. I, I think I, I need to do that because I'm always like, whenever I go and I'm wanting to like meet up with people there, you know, I'm always like, and we have to signaling people there. Yeah. You know, um, text people who yeah, and keep tabs on each other in terms of keeping each other safe and notifying our loved ones. If yeah. we have loved ones at home, uh, of, you know, like if we're safe, if we're not safe, if we, if we need yeah. to fucking, you know, if you're about to get arrested, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of shit. So I get it. And it's not realistic for a lot of people either. Just be at least cognizant of it. And yeah. do your best to, if you do have your phone on you, have it off or, or put it on airplane mode. Um, if you're, you know, obviously you want to take photos or videos, especially of the cops doing what they do. Um, mm -hmm. So just try to leave it on airplane mode while you're there at the action. Um, right. And also maybe uh, invest in two-way radios. Uh, the more of us that use them, the better, because then they have no idea who's fucking talking. So right. Yeah. Uh, two way radios are, you know, you can invest, uh, in them for about $50 nowadays for a couple of them for some of the cheaper ones that will do the job. Um, and mm. also it's fun. Who doesn't like using two way radios? <laughs> it is fun. It makes you feel really like covert too. When you're just like, Hey, and also at the same <laughs> time, the nostalgia of like being kids, yes. you know, if you, if you play with them, even just, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun, right? It is fun. <laughs> make security fun. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So yeah, I guess moving on to organizers, I'm sure there's some additional security concerns that are specific to organizers. So maybe we could talk about, um, I mean, I guess you already mentioned like the burner phone thing. So is there anything further that organizers should do uh, over and above what protesters should be doing? Yeah. Yeah, I have thoughts on this, but I mean, everybody's mileage will, will be different, uh, will vary, I should say. And um, I am a big fan of completely anonymous organizing uh, mm -hmm. as an organizer. Um, you, I don't want my name attached to any sort of demo because we have, um, you know, again, after the fact that there's any sort of, heaven forbid, property damage, uh, yeah. you know, you do have activists that get sued after the fact because they organized a demo that caused this, you know, mm -hmm. so now they're on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars and looking at charges. So I miss, I guess the takeaway from that is don't have your name attached to it. Um, if you would like to organize a demo or a rally, create some sort of like, um, page for it that doesn't have your name <laughs> attached mm -hmm. to it. Again, that's where like sock accounts come into um, not having your real name and face because sometimes it has to be attached to a profile that exists on Facebook or, or wherever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have yourself a sock account, you can now organize a demonstration or a rally or a protest. Uh, or if you're part of an existing organization, just make sure your names aren't visible for everybody to see if it's in regards to a protest. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like one of the big takeaways from it. And again, we go back to a lot of people that want the notoriety, uh, without any regard for other people, just, mm -hmm. just be sure that if you are known, you're putting other people at risk. And that's the main takeaway. Like we take care yeah. of us. We take care of us. That's the mantra, right? We yeah. take care of us. So not, we take care of myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Or we don't because we're not scared. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You and I, yeah. Um, so I guess like, so for organizers, that's one of the main things. And, and also organizers, I, I really feel like we need to do a much better job of facilitating accessibility for people. Mm -hmm. Always consider that not, 
not everybody who's, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that have been fighting for their own kind of justice and equity in the disability circles and that kind of thing to, to make as many provisions as possible for accessibility for mm-hmm. everybody. Um, and to, I guess, put out guides prior to the event on how to keep each other safe and to remind people what the kind of like uh, the vibe will be. Uh, inform people if you think that there's a chance it might get spicy um, because there's, you know, some people aren't able to take that kind of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and also continually just kind of pump the idea that this is a community event. We take care of each other. We take care of each other to check in on another because it's also really good for the long-term mass movement building right we want um so organizers should definitely in my opinion <laughs> uh stress accessibility and also stress guides on keeping each other safe before and after the fact reminders and also just encouragement um and but yeah mainly to stay anonymous and to do community building before and afterwards and during even Mm-hmm. Um, and guides, guides on safety. Uh, mm-hmm. cause a lot of people will be showing up at protests for the first time and they'll have no idea about any of this. Uh, make sure we tell people what supplies to bring or if, or even better as an organizer facilitate that you will have an aid station and a supply station on hand, mm-hmm. uh, and state that just say, we will have snacks and water at this location, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but definitely guides on what to bring, um, and yeah, how to conduct yourselves if at all possible. Obviously we're not telling people what to do, but you know, just let people know what kind of protest this is going to be or what kind of action it's going to be. So uh-huh. yeah, for sure. And do not apply for permits. Uh, I mean the irony of asking the police for permission to demonstrate against the police, like is yeah. just, is just, <laughs> Oh my God, that's what they want. They want us to protest and to organize within their scope of what is acceptable because that's exactly how the system is designed to be. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and also do not, if you are planning on a March, do not publish your route list, just publish your starting point. And then also tell people that those details will be announced uh, at the day, on the day, do not publish your route list. Do not apply for a permit, and because that just gives the state exactly what they need. Yeah. Also, if you apply for a permit, your name is on record. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and also, what the fuck are we asking the state for permission to protest the state for? Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> just the irony of that is just I I don't even. Right. Yeah. So that's another tip for organizers. Um, yeah. I don't uh, have anything off the top of my head. Oh, oh, for organizers. Okay, so this is actually the most important thing. So let's just say you and a bunch of friends or your organization is planning something. Security during that planning phase is, is, is honestly the number one thing that I should actually have stressed and I should have put this at the top of the list. I do apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just say... Um, you are thinking of doing something with four other people, uh, in your org. So, um, security during that time. So let's just say you have 20 people in your org and only four of you are discussing this at the moment. Information in my opinion for this kind of thing should be on a need to know basis only. So for example, let's just say they're watching somebody else that we don't know about in your organization and they're not even going to be attending the demo because they're, you know, away somewhere else or what have you for, and you already know they're not. So they don't need to know the details of what you're planning, mm-hmm. uh, where it is and that kind of stuff off the bat at all. 
um, because that's how information spreads too. So that one person might mention something to somebody else in their circle, and all of a sudden everybody knows that there is a rally planned here and this is what's going to happen, and the rally gets shut down before you even accomplish what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess to put it plainly, organizers should remain anonymous and organizers should ensure a need to know culture during planning and the execution of it. So Mm -hmm. if you need to make a new signal chat with just the four people who are organizing it and you don't need to share that info with anybody else unless it's need to, unless you need to know. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a main thing we don't. So like information spreads so quickly and so do rumors, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so if all of a sudden, like you tell somebody and they just mention it in passing because they think the other person is safe, which they probably are. But then that person mm-hmm. also thinks somebody else is safe. And then, you know, right. so and so. And then all of a sudden, everybody knows that there's a rally at this time and trying to accomplish this. And all of a sudden, the cops are there <laughs> and right. then it's game over. Right. Right. So just be really cognizant of all the information that you're sharing while you're organizing. Don't put anything out on on social media until you're absolutely ready. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so there's a balance with all of this stuff, too, because we also don't want to alienate our community either with the whole secrecy thing. And right. So I guess maybe a reframe of of talking about security culture, again, is to stress that it's not about alienating our comrades or our community. It's about actually strengthening and building our community so that we can stand, so that we can fight, so that we can win. Mm-hmm. Um, so and to strengthen our ties and bonds like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like really good bonding that comes in doing crime together. <laughs> <laughs> there's like this level of trust and uh, community building that like I feel like you don't really see elsewhere. Um Mm-hmm. Which is which is which is also really important. Like you know, there's there's like um, <laughs> I know it sounds so bad, but you know, what's that whole be gay do crime shit? You know, yeah. it's just yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you know, we gotta have anyway. So yeah, so it builds kind of a lot of trust between people, and it builds just a sense of community. So the idea of sec- of of security shouldn't be alienating. It should be empowering. It should be strengthening. So mm-hmm. and like I guess as long as we have open and talks between ourselves and in our community about this. And we stress that it's not that we want to shut you out. It's not that we just need to keep each other safe. Yeah, so, so that's something sure. that I really, really want to stress. And there's always a balance between this and it's hard to always find the balance that works because we want it to be as accessible and open and welcoming to everybody as possible. And we want as many people to know about it and to get organized and to get involved. But at the same time, we don't want to hand, um, you know, any bad actors, uh, all of the information on the platter, uh, on the platter, or the state on the platter, right? Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about using like a VPN or Tor or something like that? Like, I'm thinking about for making the SOC account. Like, if I made like a SOC Facebook account, for example, for like organizing, I don't really know anything about tech, but like, if I signed in for my computer, like, wouldn't they be able to match that, like, my IP address or whatever? is the same as my other account if they have a warrant uh yes absolutely they'll be able to get all that information from your uh internet provider and they'll just hand it over as we've seen uh, in the past they just i mean i mean pizza pizza is handing over information without a fucking warrant 
Like, yeah. So like, that's another thing, like everything, like, you know, anything you order on like uh, a food delivery thing, uh, all of that shit, they all <laughs> log all of that information. So if the cops want to call, I don't know, fucking, you know, your local restaurant and they are like bootleggers, of course, they'll be like, oh, here's all the information on the customer. They ordered this and they sent it to this address where there happened to be a meeting and all that kind of shit. Oh, right. Uh-huh. So, um, yes. So to get back to it. Uh, VPNs and using a Tor browser are not quite as accessible for everybody, but VPNs are quite easy to use, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, you can actually go on to protonvpn.com, which we can put up, which is also the same people that do Proton Mail. It's a mm-hmm. free VPN. And what a VPN does is that it basically um, disguises your IP address, which all our phones have, all our devices have. Um, somewhat. I mean, you can still, if they really want you, they can kind of, you know, go there and retrace and still find you. But again, it makes it harder. It's another level. Um, a Tor browser, there's a lot of talk in the security um, community about using Tor versus um, not using Tor, is that as soon as you use a Tor browser, your IS, your internet service provider knows that you're using a Tor browser, and that might actually put you on a list immediately. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it keeps your info secure. So they might not know what you're doing on the Tor browser, but they know that you're using it. So that might mm-hmm. put you as a target too. So in my opinion, VPN combined with Tor, so you're basically hiding your IP address and using a Tor browser, uh, if you're, especially if you're an organizer, is, is probably the best practice. Again, all of this stuff is evolving. Their tech is evolving. So our methods need to constantly evolve too. It used to be that Tor was you know, considered you know, the, the holy grail of security. Uh, it used to be the VPNs were the holy grail of security. But as technology develops, our methods need to, to um, you know, kind of grow right. too. Yeah. We need comrade tech bros. <laughs> and you know what? I do want to stress that there are so many comrades out there doing tech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like um, I have a, a, a trans comrade that they are, they're like an absolute wizard and stuff. And some of the stuff that they've been doing recently that's all new to try to adapt to some of the security is absolutely like I'm, I'm just like completely blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so we do have left this out there developing tech constantly constantly yeah. constantly proton mail um you know rise up uh all, all of those things are you know and signal itself is yep. you know anyway oh yeah um, and also so, use don't use facebook messenger to communicate about any sort of organizing right. <laughs> that's another thing right um, yeah don't use that for anything yeah use signal or something equivalent even you know there's a lot of encrypt like iMessage is very hard to to crack um, but still don't recommend it. Uh, but you know, but anyway, so, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people, I know I hear people talk about, they don't like using a VPN because it slows down your connection, mm-hmm. but to be honest, it doesn't slow down your connection, uh, <laughs> that badly at all. And if you're organizing, you don't need bandwidth. You're not like downloading yeah. or pirating, um, videos or movies or anything like that. So, just, you know, keep in mind that, you know, any extra layer of security that you can do is always very helpful. And ProtonVPN yeah. is free, has a free plan that says it's not very quick, but it's it's quick enough for me to use. I don't know. Your mileage may vary, but mm-hmm. yeah. Fantastic. 
Um, okay. So I was wondering if we could go through some of the tactics that were used by police and intelligence, basically that people should be aware of, you know, like kettling, using jammers, um, surveillance tactics, things like that. Um, just to, you know, I guess let people know what could happen and some, some ways to mitigate against that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually a, a great point. So I guess maybe we can start with uh, police surveillance on the day of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, you know, when you show up at any sort of demo, you'll often see, you know, unmarked SUVs or unmarked vans and they'll, you know, they'll generally be the uh, surveillance vans or vehicles. Uh, sometimes they're really obvious with, you know, their their SUVs with the cameras on top. Just be cognizant that they're filming everything. Uh, so like from, you know, even before the action starts to after the action, like who's coming, who's going, who people show up with. So again, it's a good idea to mask up, you know, pre pandemic times, uh, and even during pandemic times, obviously just to obscure your identity, even just walking up to the, to the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so for example, uh, it's a little bit of a segue, but just kind of more of an anecdote is that, uh, let's just say, you know, you're, you're at the rally, you're all masked up and everything, but like, you know, as soon as you leave, you take all of your gear off or what have you. And all of a sudden they have you walking away. It's very easy for them to match the clothing to, you know, your face, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially if you go to the coffee shop around the corner or the bar around the corner and sit on the patio with all the people that you're just at the rally with, just yeah. leave, leave the area <laughs> <laughs> and just be cognizant of protecting your identity until you're out of the area entirely. Um, so, and also on top of the cameras, they use mics, they use directional mics that they point into the crowd. Hmm. So even something as benign as saying somebody's name, like also get yourself an alias. If you're heavily involved in stuff, just make up whatever name you want. And it's fun right. too. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. Noodle is a fun name. <laughs> well, yeah. Noodle's my real name. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> my right. parents totally named me Noodle. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, and uh, yeah, so just be in mind that they do have directional mics and they do use them and they do listen and they do review footage. Um, so, you know, and if something spicy is going to happen, I mean, I'm not saying you should do this, but it. You're right. People have done this in the past where you have a crew that goes and puts banners up in front of the visible cameras and that kind of stuff, or even just <clears throat> redecorates over them um, mm-hmm. so that they're rendered useless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, anyway, so there's a whole bunch of things like that, but cameras and microphones are always going to be in use. So just be very wary of what you say and who you're, and especially if you're yelling out loud or whatever. Uh, that they will be able to hear you uh, with their fancy technology. So, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Uh, what about like cuddling? Uh, okay, so I mean, again, these are tactics that we don't get a lot of practice in. But police will. I mean, if you're not familiar with what kettling is, kettling uh, is basically uh, to simplify it. Cops will surround you. Uh, encircle you to ensure that there's no movement allowed movement is is life so movement is safety movement is protection and they know that if they can limit movement like in terms of people being able to run away or scatter or disperse then they have you like you see you know that tactic used in a brutal brutal manner during the g20 even in toronto like uh you know to use some kind of like canadian 
kind of like precedents mm -hmm. uh, where they can literally kettle hundreds of people just at the demo or even in the area, not even not even at the demo or whatever into, uh, you know, and and basically arrest everybody <laughs> yeah. or commit extreme violence upon everybody. Um, so kettling like anti just be very wary that uh, that is a tech that they use to, um, you know, to a lot of effect. So there are countering methods. Uh, I don't know if we we have the time to kind of get into the nitty gritty and it's good to use with diagrams, but maybe I can link some kind of diagrams afterwards so you can mm -hmm. take a look at. Basically, the idea is to keep the freedom of movement, which, again, movement is life. Uh, movement is safety and movement is security. So being able to move and also what you can start doing is basically encircling the cops and turning mm -hmm. it around on them. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, but then also you have to be aware there's nothing more dangerous than in a cop that feels threatened. <laughs> so yeah. that's like another kind of conversation. But so there are ways to counter being kettled, uh, listening to the marshals, paying attention to the marshals, whether they're using flags or commands or that kind of stuff. If everybody's telling you to move back, move back. If people are telling you to move to the side, move to the side. Basically want to stop them from being able to encircle the 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 bulk of, of the people there. Mm -hmm. Um uh, yeah. So, and the tactics that they use are horses and bicycles. They yeah. love to use those fucking things, yes. uh, like bicycles as weapons. Uh, they will use them as, as barricades. They will use them as weapons and they will use them as, um, you know, fast mobility as well. So there are tips for disabling those, uh, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And also like, <laughs> fucking police horses like oh, oh my gosh oh my yeah. gosh i cannot believe the cruelty involved in using a horse to know. you know enforce anyway so um and toronto police like have no problem using horses to go right into a crowd mm -hmm. they don't care whether they injure people or not right. um then those poor fucking horses i know Ugh, it breaks my heart every time yeah um yeah. So just be wary that the police will employ every single brutal and dirty tactic. And it's very, very important to um, pay attention to your marshals. Uh, your marshals will have been part of the organizing and will kind of like have an idea of like escape plans and um, that kind of thing. And to address like because we can't expect everybody to know police tactics, but yes. we can expect or we would hope that the marshals and the organizers would be very aware of what police tactics use and to just kind of like pay attention to what the marshals are doing and saying. Uh, mm -hmm. Just kind of have an eye on them, especially when you start seeing the police move in, uh, the police move in quickly and with a lot of force. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you are a prospective organizer, yeah, we'll, we'll put the links to the guides on how to or the diagrams and, and things on maybe how to, to deal with. This I mean, um, yeah, there's a lot of really useful guides put out there by people who've been pay, uh, fighting against active uh, physical police repression and brutality for a very long time. And mm -hmm. these tactics and methods need to be developed. So we can't expect in Toronto, we've been, I guess, like kind of lucky that the police still have their kind of uh, kid gloves on for the most part, because they're very aware that if they are seen to be rioting, which they do uh, publicly, then, you know, then they're, risk of being quote unquote defunded and fuck this defund sorry we're about abolishment okay <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway 
um, that's another topic entirely again. But yeah, so when the police start stepping out their tactics again, it's going to be really, really critical to learn how to, as a community, to counter these. We can't be mm-hmm. expected to be able to do them perfect because we don't have a lot of practice. For sure. Um, okay, so what about... um jammers or things like that. I I heard that in Portland, um, I don't know what protest this was. I think it was one of the early BLM protests after uh, the murder of George Floyd. And um, I guess a bunch of like riot cops were advancing on the crowd and, um, you know, a bunch of people had their phones out and they were doing like live streams to show like what the cops were about, about to do. And uh, I I heard that they used like jammers on the crowd so that like, basically, there's these live feeds of, you know, riot crops approaching the crowd. But like, once they get to a certain point, like all the feeds just go dead. And then you can no longer there's like no one is able to, you know, live stream or capture video of what the police are doing anymore. I don't know if you have heard of that or like, have any thoughts on that? Yes. So that happens too. So don't be surprised. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that and bringing that up. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so just be aware that, you know, there could be a time uh, where an action is getting a little bit spicy and you will find that you no longer have data. <laughs> so just again, this is where the two-way radios come in. <laughs> yeah, two-way radios. And I was thinking, like, well, if I'm going to leave my phone at home, like, maybe I'll just bring, like, my GoPro camera or something like that that they wouldn't be able to Yeah, definitely. Jam. But there's also the risk of that, too, though. With the GoPro, if you do get arrested, um, they have all that footage. So. But that's definitely a thought. Like, that's there's true. so many ways to, like, kind of, like, uh, there's no one perfect way to do all this. Because, you know, we need to capture what's going on. We need to record what's going on. But at the same time, uh, you know, we always have to find the balance. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that that is a great idea. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, we have to make contingencies and think about, consider all the different angles. So, for example, if I have a GoPro and I know the stuff on that memory card is really compromising, I need to come up with a contingency plan to destroy that info, uh, you know, if, if it looks like, or pass it off to somebody else who's egret, who's leaving the area, right? Okay. So that kind of thing, right? So there's definitely like a balance between um, convenience, also uh, the fact that we need to do it and also security. Right. So again, I don't have the answer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have the answer for what we we need to do or what we don't need to do. Right. It's just, these are all kind of like things that we all need to constantly consider and adapt to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A few other things I think to consider would be, uh, you know, police or, you know, like coming in and acting as agitators um, and, you know, police being the ones to set fire to things or to throw bricks through windows and then um, make it, you know, turn what was otherwise a peaceful protest into something that they can now, you know, they can now legitimize their uh, excessive use of violence because, oh, it it got so, look, look what they're doing, but really they are the ones who started all of that. And then also like the kidnapping, like taking people in these unmarked cars <laughs> away, right? Um, I, I don't really know what to do about that. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, there's there's <laughs> also, yeah, I guess like being thrown in an unmarked van by unmarked fucking cops is a tough yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So with the whole, okay. So there's something that I just kind of want to preface this conversation with is that, so the, um, fuck, it's, it's hard to get into this without uh, using a lot of different examples and getting into it pretty deeply, but the whole outside agitator kind of, uh, worry and narrative is, um, it's a, it's valid, but B, it's also used as a often something to take away from the validity of the uh, protests as well, right? So um, let's just say, for example, you have a uh, Black Lives Matter rally that um, is considered "quote unquote" peaceful. There's nothing peaceful against resisting brutal oppression in the first place. But you know, anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I guess my train of thought is on this: is that oftentimes it'll take away from the validity of a movement by, let's just say, we have a, a, an action or a demo that goes a little, that gets a little bit rowdy. Immediately, people will say that it was outside agitators that did it, as and it kind of uh, negates the rage of the people on the ground who uh, were actually um, part of this demo, and they don't want to be labeled as um, as people who weren't doing <laughs> as this at the same time. So I guess it's 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 a little sorry. Right. I know that's a little jumbled, but the whole outside agitator narrative has been used by the media and also seized upon by the state to take away from the validity of what's happening on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, outside agitators are a thing. Uh, infiltrators are a thing. Um, so it's, it's, so one of the, the key takeaways from that is to, if you see somebody in your, on your quote unquote side at a protest or something that might be a little bit suspect. Uh, we also have to like consider, you know, the dangers of what we call cop jacketing where like everybody just assumes that somebody's a cop and treats them accordingly, even though they're not, they're just there by themselves because they didn't have a fucking buddy anyway, Mm -hmm. or they're new to it. Right. So, uh, I guess one of the things to do, if you do spot somebody strike up a conversation with them, or if you're not comfortable, have somebody else explain to them what, what some of your concerns and, and, uh, um, kind of like, you know, feelings are on it and maybe have them approach them, strike up conversation, try to see where they're, you know, what they're doing, like, you know, how they're feeling, just say, Hey, what's going on? You know, I'm so-and-so alias insert alias, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, you know, just want to say hi and, uh, you know, get a gauge. And then you can pretty much tell, um, pretty quickly whether or not somebody is considered, a, a an infiltrator or an outside agitator. Right. If you mm-hmm. see them walking around in brand new clothing, it's it's a little bit of an alarm, alarm bell. If you see them like equipped to the tens or nines in like cool ass riot gear or whatever it is. Right. So it's just like all things to watch. Um, and just the best method that I found is to just have somebody strike up a conversation with them. Uh, also don't talk to journalists, <laughs> right? Uh, because journalists are also double as agitators, um, <laughs> yeah. and infiltrators. Uh, you'll have a lot of these, like what you call independent journalists that come up and try to tell the story from both sides. They'll want to interview, um, you know, protesters so that they can edit the shit out of them or only yes. use the one sound bite. 
uh, never, ever talk to journalists, especially independent citizen journalists, as they like to call themselves. Uh, especially not rebel media. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Don't even give them the time of the day. And again, uh, there are you know people who are organizing are very aware of this and should have media representatives that if they are going to if anybody's going to talk to the media, maybe refer them to a media representative or they also have marshals that are uh, there to drown out uh, agitating media. Like, I don't even want to call rebel fucking media media, but they are fucking media. But they're not news. They're media. Sorry, yeah, I should say. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're entertainment. <laughs> they're entertainment for people who love to hate. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so there are. So I would suggest never giving them anything. Don't even yell at them. Uh, don't even, you know, and I know it's hard not to, because sometimes you just want to fucking, yeah, but (laughs) I would suggest like not talking, don't give them anything. Don't make anything easy for them. Uh, the whole outside, um, agitator thing. Yes. During G20, I don't know who needs to hear this, but the cops are responsible for that cop car burning down. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was not violent agitators. It was not violent anarchists that, uh, you know, that, that are responsible for that cop car anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess so just basically just be very cognizant of people that, uh, you, um, kind of find a little suspect, but also at the same time, be very cognizant of not alienating them, uh, or cop jacketing them. Cause that can, you know, lead to a lot of other ramifications. Just do your hello, hi, check in, uh, and, or appraise the marshals of it. If you're just, just be like, Hey, can you just keep an eye on this? I don't know what's happening here and I don't want to point the finger at anybody, but just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just be aware of that and be aware that cops will have people in the lines with cameras. So, uh, you know, they'll be there and they'll generally stick out because cops, for some fucking reason, they don't know how to fucking go undercover. They all look like fucking John Cena. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like it's just, hello, how do you do? Hello. Anarchists. (laughs) (laughs) Or are we communists? Or I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to spot. Uh, just yeah. be aware that they're always listening, they're always watching, and they're always trying to stir the pot, and they're always trying to lay the blame on mm-hmm. on people so that are not them, even though they're Absolutely. the instigators. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like we would have to do a whole other podcast as well on like infiltration of oh my gosh, yes, movements. I feel like that's like way too big to cover today, but just know that that's very much a thing that like yes. you need to be aware of. Yeah, just as a side note, uh, you should search uh, CoinTelPro if you haven't heard of it. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. U.S. are masters of this, and they have basically, um, yeah, they're great at infiltration. Uh, and yeah, it, that, that's a big thing. That's again, this goes back to anonymity as long as po- as much as possible, and need to know basis for the purposes of keeping each other safe while strengthening the community and our bonds together. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. yeah. And then also you kind of got to ask yourself if you're for the movement and, you know, one of your fellow organizers or fellow comrades or friends, what have you says, you know what, like, I don't feel comfortable sharing this information at this time. It's not because they don't trust you. It's because they're trying to keep things as safe as possible for everybody. And if you're that upset about it, ask yourself why you're that upset. Is it your ego? Is it your pride? Like, do you Mm -hmm. feel the need to be included in everything, in every little minute part of organizing and planning? So just remember that it's not about us as individuals ever. And it should Mm -hmm. never be. 
We're not fucking capitalists. We don't do this yeah. whole individual collective business, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, and it's like, well, maybe maybe you're not like in the loop on it this time, but like, I mean, it's all about building trust, right? Like, absolutely, and so. yeah, especially if you're newer to the organization, you know, like it's like we don't want to like have to like vet everybody or like say that you need to prove yourself or this or that, but just you know, just be cognizant that a lot of this stuff, like trust building, takes time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of all I had written down. Um, I guess in terms of like being pepper sprayed, I've heard that like water flushing with water is because you know it goes. It's water, kind of water. Sh- yeah, people will say milk, but yeah, don't use the milk. I mean, milk probably isn't gonna hurt, but at the end of the day, um, use the guides that the yeah. I would say. Uh, use the guides that uh, are written by, you know, on the ground medics or even veterans or what have you, you know, you basically mm-hmm. hang them with their own rope. Right. So, you know, veterans or police guides, uh, I mean, they're really good at what they do yeah. <laughs> in terms of being able to tactically deploy and to use the best medicine and medic stuff. So uh, basically, yeah, the the idea is, is that you don't need any fancy solutions or anything. Just make sure you carry a lot of water with you in a squirt bottle and um uh yeah just use water uh mm-hmm. for pepper spray and tear gas uh for sure like we can that that's a whole whole huge subject but water if you're gonna bring anything to a protest bring a lot of water <laughs> yeah and snacks <laughs> for and people snacks. i um, also believe that everybody should have some sort of first aid on them and get mm-hmm. a little bit of first aid training because again anything that keeps each other safe uh is is really really key um and try not to wear really flashy gear like even if you have like really cool like helmets and like all that kind of protective gear just try to be as low-key as possible because the cooler you look quote unquote the more of a target you're going to be mm-hmm, uh the sure. more tactical you look i should say yeah yeah so um yeah so just yeah. do your best to blend in um and yeah be cognizant that the state will be brutal and that water is going to be your friend for pepper spray that's for sure tear yeah. gas is a little different because you need masks and etc but we can get into that kind of stuff a little bit later on but yeah pepper spray is going to be one of your because it's not only the cops that use pepper spray <laughs> yes <laughs> or mace <laughs> so um that's another another thing too right so yeah, great. Yeah. So we'll we'll post the, the guides in the show notes. Um, so I know that a lot of people have been recently radicalized um, through like the BLM protests, or even just COVID. Um, so maybe for people who have yeah been, been recently radicalized, um, maybe we can give some tips on how to get involved in organizing. Um, or going to demonstrations in a safe and responsible way. Um, I know there is an example from Toronto, where some uh, kids on Instagram who were, you know, really keen to get involved, uh, organized this protest. But um, I mean, long story short, it ended up just being a huge photo op for the cops. Um, <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they really did not know what they were doing. They they weren't accountable to the community. Like they didn't involve um, Black Lives Matter or not another Black life. They just kind of did their own thing, and it turned out really poorly um, for everyone. And yeah, it, it really wasn't good. 
So yeah, how do people, I guess, get involved in organizing? I, mean, I think we've been talking about that kind of this whole time. Um, but also, how do people find out what's going on if they want to get involved in a protest? That's a really good question. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. So for that uh, specific example for, um, I guess maybe I shouldn't name them, but we all know the photo kneeling, police fucking Chief Saunders kneeling photo op demo. Yeah. Um, which, you know, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Well, you name it. Fuck it. All right. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is definitely, so always keep an eye on who is organizing this and listen to the community and their concerns. So like, I don't, you know, if you are organizing a demo or an event and you have immediate backlash from the community that you are standing for, you know, like, it doesn't, and that doesn't fall under gatekeeping, in my opinion. It just mm-hmm. falls under. I mean, are you for the community or are you for yourselves? Yeah. Um, so, are you clout chasing? We're going back to clout chasing now. Are you possibly even making money from this by selling T-shirts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you building your own following uh, with all your names attached because you are you have a vested interest in building a following due to making money or fame or what have you? Right. So, always paying attention to who is organizing this. And that's not to say and gatekeep that new organizations don't pop up and they do like um, all the time. Uh, But just keep an eye on their tone and if they're listening to their community or not. So, for example, that specific event, you immediately had um, Black Lives Matter organizers and any not another black life organizers and other community organizations that have like, you know, um, been around for for a while and have been doing some some really good work in the community, I guess we would consider them trusted organizers or what have you. If they're raising concerns and they're saying, hey, can we just check in about this? We have some concerns and they're completely shutting it down. Then you don't really want to be a part of that, to mm-hmm. be honest. You're you're putting yourselves at risk and you're putting your community at risk. And you're also not doing much for the cause when a lot of these concerns are directed at the tone of the rally and what's happening at the rally. I mean, uh, you know, there was permits involved in there. The police were notified. The media were notified. Everybody was notified, like everybody. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And, you know, so like you don't I mean, in terms of radical, quote unquote, organizing like that, those are all huge red flags. So like and then we have to get like, what is the idea of the process? Are we trying to gain exposure? I'm sorry. We don't need any more exposure for police brutality. We need to force change. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, kneeling with the fucking cops is not forcing any sort of change. Um no you know, giving the media exactly the narrative that they want and framing it in the way that they want is not fucking forcing change. It's literally playing into capitalist neoliberal um, status quo. Yeah. And it's letting people think like, oh, you know, in Canada, things are so much different. We're just so much better up here. Our police are not brutal like the US, that kind of thing. Yeah, like ask any indigenous community and any black community and, you know, and <laughs> how yeah. they feel about that, about how brutal the police are. Right. Yeah. So, again, we go back to, you know, a much bigger discussion on, on uh, you know, repression of people who are not white, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, mm, but uh, yeah, so uh, as far as like how to get organized and or how to hear about things, like I would definitely suggest following, um, you know, your local kind of organizations. It's going to be, you know, obviously very uh, uh, area dependent who's been doing this for a while or who has, you know, put on previously um I guess, like uh, previous demos and rallies that you agree with, 
I guess. Uh, I try not to be as gatekeepy as possible, but you know, there's some things that you don't really want to be associated with for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you have a sock account, this is really good for following your local organizations because they will post up updates, uh, and they will do that kind of thing. So, um, and also, you know, a lot of people walk around their towns and their cities and they don't really look at the posters on the wall. A lot of times there's going to be some posters that will actually let you know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of propaganda out there, but mainly because we live online, you're going to have to follow. Um, you're going to have to follow different uh, different organizations. Um, and also, if you're again, this goes back to the organ- onus on organizers. If you're interested in getting involved but don't know anybody uh, and don't know any organizers, send the organizers a message. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, just be like, how do I get connected with people? I don't know how I can help or support, uh, at this time, but I'm interested. I would like to attend a rally. Can you, you know, kind of like, you know, get, get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, again, the onus is going to have to be again as, as well on the individual person. Like at some point you just got to get up and seek out, uh, community and hopefully in, in return, the community is doing outreach and that kind of stuff and making it accessible for new people to join. So mm-hmm. it's a two way street. It can't just, the onus can't be on one person, but there needs to be a, a reciprocal kind of thing. So, so the too long didn't read is that if you're interested in getting, um, organized, if you're interested in starting, uh, your journey into activism, you're going to have to put in a little bit of work and, uh, definitely reach out to the people in your area, reach out to your own communities, join some Facebook groups that are doing activism, join some community groups, and even just start organizing your own communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I will say that like, it can be hard. Um, like my own story, I guess, you know, like I've had radical politics for a long time, but, uh, you know, I grew up in Normieville and I like a lot of people (laughs) actually, right. So (laughs) we grew up outside of the city and yeah. yeah, I grew up in Normieville. I didn't really know like how to get connected to people who were more radical. And the only reason that I ended up doing that is because I started my YouTube channel and then I started having meetups and then I met more like radical people in the city and then got connected to different organizations that way. But before that, like the protests I used to go out to were kind of more like mainstream. Like I would go out to like environmental protests or, um, you know, like lead now, those kind of things that are kind of just like soak dim, I guess, but like they're pushing back against like, you know, they're um, definitely, we're all part of the same movement, right? Under, yeah, under yeah. the umbrella, right? Absolutely. Sure. I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. But like, um, but I, I wasn't really aware of any of the more kind of like, you know, radical or like grassroots community organizations until like, it takes time to kind of like break in there because sometimes you just don't know where to look. Because right. the mainstream doesn't talk about it and it's just not front and center in headlines and that kind yeah. of stuff. Or if it is, yeah. you know, it's portrayed uh, poorly and yeah. people don't even want to hear anything about it because, you know, uh, radical activists are often painted as terrorists and thugs immediately. Exactly. But yeah, but I would say, so I would say like, just, you know, have patience, I guess, like, and don't, don't like get frustrated because like, it is a difficult thing kind of to get into. But I think like right now, this moment that we're in, like the BLM protests are so prolific everywhere that I feel like at the very least you could find a local BLM chapter. And then if you go out to things that are organized by them, then you'll definitely meet people and, you know, end up finding other more 
uh, radical community organizations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, you know, and, and most of these organizations will have online presence, will have an online presence of some kind, whether it's anonymous or, or, um, not the anonymous or, or, you know, movement. I'm just saying like anonymous organizations. So for example, your local unions will often be engaged in uh, more, I guess, like radical disruption of capital, etc. Um, you know, your, your local community page might have, you can even just put up a, a post in your, in your local community page on whatever social media, be like, I'm looking interested to get into more, um, activism, you know, and you might get some, some responses, but again, there's whole security thing. So blah, blah, blah. So yeah. it's always like a, a fine balance between the two, but yeah, yeah, like if you look, you can find it and you are absolutely right. There can be a little bit of a barrier, um, for, I guess, uh, what, uh, normie folks, I guess who want to get into a little <laughs> bit more activism because it can seem like a little bit of a closed community. Again, this is why we need to constantly adapt our practices to find the line between, uh, making people feel alienated and, or versus being welcomed into a new community. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah, just definitely do as much research as you can on your own and, and really pay attention to the kind of replies that you get in the tone of the organization. Right. Um, so you the, it's impossible for people to vet every single organization that pops up, but you'll get an idea by looking at their community so, mm-hmm. yeah, for and sure. what they stand for. Uh, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of tenant organizations in, in, in all the various cities, uh, tenant organizations that are, you know, like actively resisting evictions are a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, might not put you right on the map immediately for being a radical um, and also, you know, look, look into your different areas in the, if you live in a city, uh, or, or a larger town or whatever, look into getting involved into serving the community, uh, work with unhoused folk, uh, work in harm reduction, that kind of thing. Just volunteer your hours, volunteer your time, meet people, make inroads. Um, like this is, you know, the goal is that we're building a movement here. We're not just coming from nothing here. And, uh, part of building a movement, uh, involves a lot of, you know, learning and getting to know people and getting involved somehow, getting your foot in the door. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Fantastic, um, advice. So yeah, that's, that's kind of all that I had for today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, everything I want to say is redacted. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I just got to say that like, you know, one of the, uh, major barriers that I personally have come across and I'm, and I'm assuming that a lot of other activists have is the constant gaslighting from the masses, whether it's liberal or conservative or whatever the fuck, um, the gaslighting in that times are, like hard times are coming ahead. Brutal repression is here already. Uh, and for us to not acknowledge it and to look away is very, very dangerous. A lot of activists are really, really, really tired of feeling like they're being gaslighted because they're trying to raise the alarm. They're trying to educate people about these things and people often shrug off. And I, and I don't blame people because we're all trying to survive under a brutal capitalist system in the first place. But we need to kind of reframe and prepare our communities. When I, I, I know I keep stressing community, but community is our biggest strength. We outnumber them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the bottom of the line. The bottom line. And yeah, um, yeah we need to start preparing ourselves, uh, whether it's in a mental and an emotional shift. I don't mean to be an alarmist saying that your lives are over, but we they're not. 
we need to ensure that our lives are not over. Um, you know, on top of all the pandemic stuff, climate destruction, uh, climate crises, and just open-faced fascism, um, mm-hmm. we need to start preparing now. Uh, and preparation begins internally. Let's get yeah. involved and let's build a movement, right? So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that one of the reasons why people had kind of shuggered off is because, you know, the big tech corporations and just like state surveillance in general has just completely desensitized us to how incredibly intimately every detail of our lives is already surveilled. And, you know, we're so like, we've just, we've just accepted that that's just part of you know, our modern reality huge issue. That's a huge issue. And it doesn't need yeah. to be right. Yeah. So, I mean, we enable them by saying shit like, well, I already use Facebook. So exactly. fuck it. And they know everything. So fuck it. I'm not going to exactly. do anything else. We totally enable them by continuing to use their apps that are so intrusive, um, that, you know, use your microphone the entire time to fucking record your entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we say yes, <laughs> we, we, we do. We, we're saying yes. Yep. We're saying yes by saying, yeah, I'm totally fine to use Shazam, <laughs> yep. you know, because like I need, I need to know what song that is. <laughs> but yeah. meanwhile, Shazam is fucking recording literally everything the entire time. <laughs> Like, and that's not wow. the only app, you know, yeah. Facebook Messenger does the same thing, like yes. all of it. Right. So, yep. um, yeah, so we, we enable them by saying yes to continuing to do this without pushing back, uh, and continuing to use that bullshit excuse of, oh, well, they already know. So, yeah. uh, you know what? Yeah. They don't have to fucking know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really well said. Um, so yeah, just thank you so much for coming on the show today and for, I've taken up so much of your time, but this was such a great conversation and I think it's going to be really useful to everybody. So yeah, just thank you so much for, for coming on. Oh my gosh. You're so welcome. I, uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, you allowing me to share some of my thoughts. And again, I just want to stress that, uh, everything that I'm saying is not, uh, you know, I don't want to come across as like me saying that you have to do things this way. These are just suggestions and these are some examples. And again, I think all of our methods and tactics and way that we approach things are constantly evolving. That doesn't mean to sound wishy-washy. It just means that we need to adapt because they are adapting mm-hmm. and their tactics are changing. So what might work today might not be good enough for tomorrow and vice versa. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. So we just need to basically keep our heads on a swivel and we need to remain connected to our community so that we can keep each other safe. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool.